joy to have Miss Jamie doing what she's doing with us now, and we're excited about it, and uh, we're excited for where God's going to take the, uh, the praise team under her leadership in the uh, days and weeks and months ahead. Well, we have been working through a series for the last several weeks with Pastor Mark and I talking about spiritual disciplines, and I know last week was Mother's Day. And I tried to kind of tie in this idea of spiritual discipline, um, uh, having a, a life that is built on true faith into our Mother's Day message. Uh, we, but we've talked about these, these things that we can do in our lives individually as believers, as disciples of Jesus that will, that will align us up with God's Spirit as He is working in our lives, as He's guiding us, as He's directing us, as He is um, uh, honing up our skill, our, our gifts, our calling in, in Him, in the body of Christ. And uh, there are things that we can do that will encourage that, that will, that will cause our minds and hearts to be focused on those things. Uh, we've, we've talked about fasting. And uh, it's something that we don't do a lot of in this country, I don't believe. It's certainly not something that uh, Pastor Mark is doing right now in front of me with the donut, making fun of me as I talk to him. And uh, I made fun of him the week that he preached on fasting by eating a donut in front of him. So he's repaying the, the pleasure of that. Um, but but we've, talked about, we've talked about different things that we can do that will guide us and direct us. Um, the next two weeks, we're going to talk about what I think are probably two fairly common subjects within the body of Christ, things you hear us talk about quite a bit here, if you're a part of our church and our fellowship. Um, you hear us talk about uh, reading the Word of God and praying. Uh, but we're going to talk a little bit differently about those two things over the next couple of weeks, because I think you've heard that enough, you know that you're supposed to read your Bible and pray. But... I think sometimes we hear that so often that it just kind of goes by our ears. It just kind of it just kind of flows over us, and it's just that other thing. Okay, it's one more thing I got. I got if I'm going to do right, I got to do these things. But I want to talk today a little bit more about the idea of having a lifestyle built around prayer. Jesus, God in the flesh. Prayed. And I just want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus, who was God, he didn't need to ask forgiveness. He, he, didn't, he didn't need to have a greater connection to God. He was God. Now, if you've been a part of our church, you know that one of the things I teach here and I believe directly is, is a, a part of what we need to understand about Jesus' walk on the earth as a man, was that He was fully man while He was fully God. And He taught us that He walked this life as a man through the power of the Spirit of God. That's how we can have the same connection. We have the same connection to God the Father that He had through the Spirit of God. He prayed through the Spirit. He prayed to the Spirit. He prayed in the Spirit. 
And, and that connection let us know that we can do the same thing. We can have that same valid connection that Jesus, Son of God, had. But, but Jesus prayed. And I don't know if you've read the scriptures at all, if you've read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus prayed a lot. In fact, Mark 135 says that uh, he prayed early. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he got up, went out, and made his way to a deserted place, and he was praying there. Well before the sun came up, Jesus went out and prayed often. Jesus prayed when it was late. Matthew 14, 23 says that after dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. In fact, Jesus prayed all night sometimes. Luke 6, 12 says, During those days he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent all night in prayer to God. You just think about that. Jesus prayed early. Jesus prayed late. Jesus prayed all night. I want to tell you that he prayed when he was in distress. Remember in the garden before the crucifixion? You can find Jesus praying. He prayed at spiritual gatherings. His baptism. He, he prayed at at public events, remember the wedding that he went to, he prayed at? Remember the time that he gathered everybody together and had the big feast and he prayed over the food? And God blessed it. He prayed. Jesus prayed a lot. Did I mention? Jesus was God in the flesh. If Jesus prayed a lot, that ought to tell us something about who we are and what we ought to be doing. In fact, I, Jesus had an expectation that his followers would be a people of prayer. Probably the most well-known passage on prayer from Jesus' perspective is in Matthew chapter 6. It's called the model prayer. It's called... Um, it's called the Lord's Prayer. It's more realistically known. It probably should be known as the Disciples' Prayer because he was teaching his disciples, or it could be our prayer. It, it, it's, a, it's a way to pray. Listen to how this begins, though. I want you to listen before he gets to this. In verse number 5, chapter 6, verse number 5 of Matthew, Whenever you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogues on the street corners to be seen by people. I assure you they've got their reward. God's not going to answer that prayer. They got their answer to prayer. They wanted to be seen. They were seen. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut the door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Keep it within yourself. Pray and ask God to do something and don't tell everybody all about it and watch what God does. Verse, the next verse, verse 7 says, When you pray, don't babble like the idolaters since they imagine they'll be heard for the many words. Don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask them. What's the common theme in all three of those instances? Whenever you pray, when you pray. When you pray, there was an expectation that God had 
Jesus had for His disciples to pray. He proclaimed that the place where they met should be known as the house of prayer. Luke 19, 45 tells us that it should be called the the temple. The the house of God should be called a, a place of prayer. In Luke's particular telling of this event, he adds that the disciples had asked Jesus to teach them how to pray because they had seen him pray so often. They saw his life of prayer and they said, hey, John teaches his disciples how they ought to do things. Why don't you teach us how we ought to pray? There's some instruction given about how this thing of prayer happens. I think so often we in the church, we get saved and we start telling people, you know, you come to the church, you've been born again. Okay, now you need to pray and you need to read your Bible. But we don't tell people how to do that. We don't instruct people in what to, to, to do. There, there's more than just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to pray. Well, that's great. The problem with that is that you're going to get distracted. I'm going to get distracted. We're going to be, be focused on everything else in the sun. Have you ever not sat down to pray? I'm going to spend 10 minutes today. I'm just going to pray. And about two minutes in, it's like, what's the dog doing over there? What? There's a truck going by. I, I wonder who's on Facebook. I mean, our mind just runs in all kinds of directions. Why? Because it's not a simple thing to focus and stop. I loved what Jamie said about today that, you know, she, her prayer was that we would just be able to be not distracted, but be honed in on the things of God for just these few moments. What a great prayer. Of what a prayer that needs to be answered, because you and I both know it is hard. I know that if you're sitting out there listening, it's easy to get distracted. At home, it's easy to get distracted in the church building. What you may not know, Pastor Mark can vouch for this, is sometimes we're up here preaching, and all of a sudden our mind's over there. Something happens, and we get distracted by a movement or an action or something that drives by or a thought, and you're trying to preach, and this other thought's running around in your head. We're easily distracted. I don't believe anyone listening to me today needs to be convinced that prayer should be a part of our life. I'm fairly sure I don't need to spend an hour trying to convince you of the necessity or importance of prayer in your own life. I suspect whenever you hear a message or just what I've talked about in these few moments about prayer and it's mentioned in the pulpit you do what i do you begin to feel guilty i don't pray enough you begin to feel like i'm a failure in this area so so really i'm not here to do any of that today what i want to do for a few minutes is teach you how to pray the same way that jesus taught his disciples to pray back in matthew chapter 6 If you've been around church very long at all, if you grew up in a church environment, pretty much any denomination of church that you've been a part of, if you've been around it at all, this this passage is something you're going to recognize. Unfortunately, in many denominations or in many lives, what we've done is we've taken this instruction on how to pray and made it a prayer that we say so that somehow Jesus said to say this and so if we say it then God's in it 
But if you listen to what Jesus himself said, that's not it at all. He said in verse number nine, therefore, after giving those instructions that he just gave about don't pray to be seen, pray in private so that God will show publicly his move on you. Don't don't pray just just babbling on and on just because you think if you say more and more and more, God's going to hear you more and more. He said, don't do all that, but therefore you should pray like this. He didn't say you should pray this. He said you should pray in this manner, like this prayer. This is how he said, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Father, I pray that in just these few moments, as we look into your word and see what it is that you taught us about how to pray, that you will sear into our hearts and our minds not only a method, a way that we can walk this out in a daily fashion, but you would sear into our minds and hearts a desire to spend more time in your presence. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to look at five things that Jesus touches on in this tutorial on prayer. It's not going to be a long message at all. So listen. If you've got a notepad, write some things down. Write them down. You can go back and view this later. Check it out again. Make sure you got it. Number one, we need to recognize that God, we need to recognize God as holy and we need to honor Him. We need to align ourselves with His agenda and see that it's accomplished. Our Father which art in heaven, holy is Your name. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You ever thought about that? How's God's will done in heaven? You think anybody up in heaven goes, eh, God, I don't think I want to do that today. You know, I know you said, but, you know, you know how you made me, God. God, I just find that command a little difficult. I don't, I don't you know, God, I know, I know that you're forgiving. You'll, you'll cut me a little slack here today. If I understand from anything from reading the Word of God, what I understand is that when God speaks in heaven, in the spiritual realm, when God speaks, it is accomplished. It is done. There's no questions, ifs, ands, or buts. Do what the Word of God said. We need to live our lives. We need to be praying in such a way that we say, God, align my life with your agendas, 
God, take your word and may, may, as I open it up and read your word, may it speak into my life. And when it speaks in my life, help me to follow it. God, I need to look at you as, as being my father, as being holy, as being separate and set apart, but yet you're mine. And I need to honor you. You honor someone by obedience, by commitment, by reverence. I'm not sure that that's how the church necessarily responds to God that often. I I confess to you it's not how I often respond to who God is. Number two, we need to seek God to have Him meet our daily needs. Oh, we got this one down pretty good. Hey, God, I need... Hey, God, I need... Now, you know, sometimes our needs aren't exactly what He thinks we need. Remember, number one is we're aligning ourselves up with what He says. That'll kind of change some of your needs, won't it? Change some of your attitude. An interesting thing about this Remember what he said in verse number 8? He said, don't, don't just constantly be babbling on and on about, God, I need this. I mean, like, you know, seven times a day, God, I need more gas in my car. God, I need more gas in my car. God, I need, need to, God I'm going to run out of gas before I get to the gas station. I need more gas in my car. Just fill it supernaturally with gas in the car, God. Come on. Now, God could do that if he wanted to. But rather than just babbling on and on, and I just made that up, you know, just kind of be funny, but, but don't we sometimes say over and over and over and over, God, do this, God, do this, God, do this, thinking that if we can just convince God to do it. But verse number 8 says, don't be doing that because, don't be like them because your Father knows the things you need before you ask. He already knows your needs. Sometimes we don't know what our needs are. And He's aligning us up with Him to teach us what our needs are. But He says it's good to come and seek Him about our needs. It's good to come and say to Him, God, today I need. Now, if you need bread today, give us our daily. If you need bread, it's okay to come to say, God, I need something to eat today. We're out of food in the pantry. God, I, I need I need to be able to pay this bill today. Now, God might remind you of all the money you wasted, you know, at the donut shop, you know, over there last week. But, but you know, again, might not be that. But if you have need to pay the bill and you don't have a... God, God, I need to pay this bill. God, I need to have the wisdom how to spend my money this week so I can pay my bills next week. How about that one? God, I need to to have grace and patience with that neighbor down the road that I would really like to drown or run over. I I have a son or a daughter or two that it's not legal for me to kill. (laughs) So, God, could you give me grace and wisdom? Is that not a daily need? God, I'm going to be dealing with this situation at work. I'm going to be dealing with this situation at home. I'm dealing with this situation in my community. God, 
Help me today. Is that not a daily need? We think about needs as being things that we pour on ourselves. But so often, it's not that at all. Number three, we need to align our rebellious human nature with His holy nature and seek forgiveness for our sinful behavior. Whether that's a thought or a word or an action, whatever it is. One of the best ways to learn submission to God is to recognize that the faults that others present to you are very similar to the faults that you present to God. In fact, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. The implication is that forgiveness is something you're, you're dealing with on a regular basis. You're offended. You're hurt. Maybe legitimately. And you're offering forgiveness. Maybe it's hard. Maybe it's difficult. But in recognizing that forgiveness and the difficulty that it causes you, and the righteousness maybe with what you have in that situation where you could say, but I'm in the right. When you come to God the next time, and you say, God, forgive me for this thing that I said or did or thought, or this thing that I didn't do or didn't say, when I should have, when you prompted me. And our rebellious nature has come up in front of us. It helps to remember that hurt that we felt. We recognize that God is righteous and holy and perfect. And He has offered to us a way that sin doesn't have any control over us. We can live in such a way that it doesn't control us on a daily basis. And yet, we choose to live rebelliously. See, we want, oftentimes, I want, let's don't we, I want, oftentimes, to be able to run to God and say, God, forgive me, I didn't mean it, I'm sorry. And somebody come to me and say, man, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that. I, yeah, you did, you meant that. I'm not forgiving you, you need to straighten up. God doesn't do us that way, does He? Now, He may say, straighten up. Number four, we need to seek protection from things that are greater than us. We are, believe it or not, we're not at the top of the food chain. We just think we are. There are things much greater than we are. This can be about the world system that's around us, that is controlled by the enemy, that drags us in, sucks us in. Or it could be something in the spiritual realm that we often think very little about. But we need to seek God's protection. He says, do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Why? Because we're very easily tempted. And unfortunately, not only are we easily tempted, but we're easily susceptible to giving in to temptation. Scripture often talks about 
the sin that so easily distracts us and besets us. And as you know, in our church, I, I tell you often that every one of us has an area of weakness. I, I believe that it, it really kind of falls around three areas. Lust of the eyes, seeing what you want. Lust of the flesh, satisfying what you want. The pride of life, that self-boasting confidence that we have. And I, I promise you that if you're, if you're honest with yourself and you just think about it, man, you'll figure out where your area really struggle is in those areas. And, and it may be one or two of them. But there's an area, I promise you, that you, you struggle with. It's an area of temptation. It's a weakness. It's that human flesh, that nature. And if you know it, so does the enemy. He's been dealing with mankind since the beginning. And if he could tempt two people in a perfect environment, how easy is it to tempt us in a fallen environment? And we give in to it. God... Don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us. Number five, we need to recognize that we ask God because He is the only one capable of any of the things we've talked about. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. A lot of the, the newer translations leave that verse out. They say it was a kind of an add-on verse, and it's in some translations and not in some. I'm glad that it's there. I think it's important to recognize that He is capable, and we're not. We are not self-sufficient. We are not God. He is. Five simple, quick thoughts that Jesus gave us on prayer. How do we incorporate that into our life daily? Very simple things, but are you going to re remember those every day? Are you going to be able to go back right now? If I told you, oh, what was number three? Wait, wait a minute. Let me, let me. I got a simple little tool. You may have heard it. it, it there's, there's, there's other little tools out there, but this is one that I think works great because it's, it's the same word as the book of the Bible that talks about the beginning of the church. Acts. A-C-T-S. And it's an acronym. A stands for adoration. And adoration is just praise. Praise and worship of who God is. So listen, when you come together today with the Lord, later in your day, he said, Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Take a moment. Spend some time in adoration. In praise of who he is. In praise of what he's done. God, you're holy. You are worthy. Lord, I want to I just pray and thank you. But I, I want to praise you. I want to glorify you. I want to lift up. Your holiness, your righteousness, your separateness from who I am. Hebrews 13, the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, through Him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. What is that sacrifice praise? That is the fruit of our lips that confess His 
name. Jesus, you are worthy. Jesus, you are holy. Jesus, you are God. Listen, I, I, I will tell you, it, it, even saying that, some of what we do is, right, here's what happens. Okay, well, that'll take about two seconds. Right, Jesus, you're God, you're holy, you're awesome. No. If you struggle, like many of us will, if you have trouble in this area, let me give you a great resource. Go to the book of Psalms. Just start reading the book of Psalms. Read for a few minutes and you'll find things that you can praise God for in your own life. Yeah, this is going to take a little bit of time out of your day. It's going to take 10 minutes. It's going to take 15 minutes. It's going to take a half hour. You know, give up Facebook for a few minutes. Give up a television show that you, you know, you're watching the third time you're watching the rerun. Spend a little bit of time. Get up early in the morning while it's still dark. Stay up a little later at night. I just opened up to the book of Psalms. I, have, I have, did not pick anything. I just opened up. Psalm 62. I am at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. God, I just want to praise You. I can rest in You today. You are my salvation. You're my rock. I can trust in You. God, You are awesome. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. God, thank you that no matter what comes to me, you say I won't be shaken at my core, that I can rest in you. Psalm 64, God, hear my voice when I complain. Protect my life from the terror of my enemy. Hide me from the scheming of wicked people. God, thank you that I can rest in you. I can hide in you, that you hear me when I'm terrified by people around me. Thank you, God. You are, you are a God who hears me. Psalm 65, praise is rightfully yours, God in Zion. I mean, God, you're worthy of praise. It's rightfully yours. You're a God who never fails. Your answer, verse 5, your answer, you answer us in righteousness with awe-inspiring words. God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and the distant seas. God, you answer me when I call. And when you answer me, there, I don't have to worry if it's just something maybe a little off in that. You answer in righteousness and perfection. I, I just open, literally opened up. I, I challenge you. Spend some time when you open up your prayer in adoration. Lifting up who He is. What He has done. Praise Him. For He is worthy of praise and glory and honor. C. A-C-T-S. C. Confession and communication. You can just make it confession if you want to, but, but I think as you grow in your faith, as you grow in your prayer life, it becomes about communication as well. Address the sin in your own life. What? Sin in my life? You must be kidding. 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, If we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. We're not fooling anybody else. We're not fooling God. We're deceiving ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make Him a liar. 
because he said we are. We began by opening up, saying, God, you're holy, you're righteous, you're worthy, your word is true. Everything you said, you said, I'm a sinner. If I sound now say, I don't have any sin in my life, but I'm going back and just negate number one. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. What he's saying is that, that you're not walking in his word. You're not living in the truth of who he is. You're not letting the word penetrate into you. I love this next part. He says, my little children. John said, my, my babies, I love you. He said, I'm writing you these things so that you may not sin. I don't want you to sin, but if you do sin, I, I would be more tempted to say when you sin. But he said, if you do sin, Know this, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. You, you, do you understand that, that when you come to God and you say, God, you know, I can't believe I was so selfish the other day. I just did what I wanted, no matter, you, you, maybe you prompted me to do something. And I just said, no, God, I'm not going to do it. I just don't want to do it. I'm tired. I, I, I'm, I don't want to do it. That just rebelliousness in your, you know, God, I'm so sorry for that. I realize what it is. You understand that in heaven, as you're praying through this power of the Spirit in heaven, Jesus, I, I believe, Jesus looks at the Father and says, that one's mine. He's under the blood. Forgive him, Father. Now, I, you know, look, I, don't, I can't prove that. But he says here, that we have an advocate, what's an advocate do? It's a lawyer. He advocates for you on your behalf. He's Jesus Christ, the righteous. Seek spiritual help, understanding about God and what is going on in your daily life. Don't just confess sin, but seek spiritual help. Hebrews chapter 4 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. We don't have a God in heaven that doesn't understand. Jesus understands. We have one who has been tested in every way as you are, yet without sin. If you did our Bible study questions this week, you'll know this question came out there. This verse was used. Let me ask you something. How does it make you feel to realize that that thing that you're struggling with, Jesus fully understands? He, he's not so set off that he can't understand. He gets your temptation. Jesus was tempted. He just didn't sin. He understands the struggle. Therefore, because he understands the struggle, therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness. Don't come shyly, simply saying, oh God, God, my Father, Jesus, my Redeemer, you understand where I am. You know what's going on. You know the struggle I'm having with this. Approach the throne of grace with boldness. Why? So that we, may we receive mercy and find grace to help us at a proper time. Seek spiritual understanding from God about what's going on in your life. And then just get to know God by sharing time with Him. 
Again, you get to know Him by being in His Word. By being in His Word, finding out who He is, what He's about. T, A-C-T. T, Thanksgiving. Real simple. Listen, we should be thankful people, shouldn't we? We should be a people who are in awe of who God is. I go back to Psalm, and I do have a particular Psalm here. If, if you know anything about Psalms, Psalm 100 is a particular song of, Psalm of thanks. Psalm 100 says, Shout triumphantly to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Acknowledge that Yahweh is God. He made us. We are His, His people, the sheep of His pasture. You're God's little lamb. You are His in His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name, for Yahweh is good and His love is eternal. His faithfulness endures through all generations. God, thank You for Your faithfulness to me. God, thank you for your love for me. God, thank you that you have, you have kept me, you've made me, that you've called me, and you've made me your sheep, that you're providing pasture. God, thank you for all that you've done for me, all that you're doing for me. Listen, we ought to be thankful for the people God has put in our lives. Now, I'm going to start by saying something that you might not expect. You ought to be thankful for some of the people that are pain in your rear end. For some of the people that provoke you to things that you don't like. Because what they're doing is showing you something about you as much as they're showing about themselves. Maybe, maybe you had a terrible upbringing. Maybe you had a horrible childhood. Maybe, maybe your home life was bad or maybe your school life you were picked on. Maybe, maybe you didn't have anything you, you felt like was right yours in life you ought to be thankful you say how can you be thankful that because that particular issue probably drove you to a place where God spoke into your life you might not be a sheep in his pasture had you had it easy had you had it well you say well that's a terrible way to do it no God knows exactly what you and I need Sometimes God will put people in our lives to, to irritate us, to sand us, to, 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 to rub off the edges of our nature and character that He's refining. But you also ought to be thankful for the people that God's using in your life to strengthen you. 2 Timothy 1.3 Paul said, I thank God whom I serve with a clear conscience as my ancestors did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. He said, Timothy, I praise God for you. Man, I, I just thank God constantly. Timothy was, was not pouring into Paul's life nearly as much as Paul was pouring into Timothy's life, but he praised God for what Timothy had done and been in his life. He said to the whole church at Philippi, that group, if you know anything about Paul and the church at Philippi, that was just a dear, sweet place to him. He loved those people. And he said to them, I give thanks to my God every remembrance of you. Every time I think of that church, I just praise God. I thank Him for who you are. We ought to be thankful 
Thankful for what God's done. Thankful for the people that God's put in our life. Thankful for all that God has provided for us. S, supplication. Supplication just means asking. I'm I'm seeking. This can be for your own needs. It can be intercession for others. It can even be in spiritual battles. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, Paul said, Then I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all. I encourage you to intercede for people. If you know the church of Ephesus, you know the story uh, of that church. Paul encouraged that church. One of the great passages out of the letter to the Ephesians was the passage on spiritual battles and spiritual um, the, the, the armor that we wear. And I want you to listen to that, but I want you to listen to it with the idea of prayer because he, we, we don't read on the prayer part much, but listen. He said, finally, be strengthened by the Lord and by His vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the tactics of the devil. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. This is why you must take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand, stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, your feet sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. In every situation, take the shield of faith and with it you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is God's word. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request what undergirds undergirds all of that preparation praying at all times in the spirit and stay alert in this with all perseverance and intercession for the saints be praying for others in spiritual battles who do you know that's going through a a struggle how can you intercede for them and pray for them Paul goes on to even say in this, pray for me. Pray that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to be made known with boldness the mystery of gospel. Pray for this I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I might be bold enough in him to speak that I should. Why would Paul, Paul need somebody, hey, help me be bold. We thought Paul was this guy that would just, no matter what, he said, help me, that I'll pray for me, church. Pray for me that I'll be bold enough to do what I need to do. Why? Because it wasn't any easier for him than it is for you. So this week when you pray, you will pray this week, right? Right, church? You're going to pray this week. There's an expectation for the disciples of Jesus to pray. When you pray, adoration, praise, and worship. I'm going to praise God. If I have to just pull into the the Word of God, I'm going to praise God. Adoration, confession, communication with God, see, thanksgiving. Hey, listen, if you struggle with an area of, of confession in your life, if you, know, if you, you know, look, we don't like to face up some of our sins sometimes. So if you struggle with that back in the, communi- the confession of sin part, the see, go read Proverbs. It'll provoke some things in your life. It'll, it'll poke you to say, oh, I do that. I shouldn't do that. Proverbs is real good about pointing out the stuff. 
It'll, it'll poke you. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. God, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you for all you've done for me. I want to thank you for the people around. I want to thank you for my church. I want to thank you for the internet, which I so much complain about. Oh, but I want to thank you about Facebook. I don't hate Facebook anymore. I want to say I hate Facebook. But if it wasn't for that, how would we be doing what we're doing right now? God, I want to thank you for this capability. Now, you know, that's hard to come out of this mouth because I have very little use for some of this stuff. But look at what God provided. God, I'm thankful that we can be, what, what the enemy can use, we can use greater. S, supplication. God, I'm just going to intercede for others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to intercede for myself. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek you. I'm going to look at my needs. I'm going to look at spiritual battles I'm facing that I know others are facing. I'm going to spend time. Listen to me. If you just take those four things, Acts, A-C-T-S, I guarantee you, you're not going to have a five-minute prayer time when you sit down. You say, well, I ain't got time for that. Make time for it. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're a disciple. That means someone who's learning under the teaching hand of a leader. You've been bought at a price. You've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. You've been made righteous. You have access into the throne room of heaven. God says, come. Now's the time to worship. Come worship me. Come spend time. You get time to spend time with Almighty God. Will you make your life a lifestyle carved out by prayer? Father, thank you that you give us such a simple illustration. I couldn't mine the 